time to get fired up about your business because that's exactly how you're going to feel after this interview. Hey, hey, what is going on? Welcome back to Biz Women Rock. Uh, this is the very special podcast where we highlight business women from all over the world in all sorts of different industries so that you can really plug into their business experience, hear the journeys that they've had, uh, learn some really cool tips and tricks, and most importantly, what the journeys have really been like for these women. Uh, this is admittedly a very real uh, account of business. I, de- I deliberately don't like the quote unquote success story. This is really what it has really been like building companies. And it's here for you so that you can uh, really plug into it and get what you need out of these women's stories. Now, this is interview number three in our Shark Week series. And during this series, we are featuring women who've been on Shark Tank and survived the tank. Oh my God, we've got such a great one for you. This is interview number three, as I said. So if you have not yet heard the previous two, please go back and listen to them. They are absolutely phenomenal. Not only are these ladies obviously talking about their experience on Shark Tank and what they've gone through during that experience, but they really talk about their entire business as a whole, uh, the challenges, the great parts, all sorts of stuff. So uh, there's a lot of great stuff within these interviews. Now, there is something for you to do. Um, if you're listening today for the first time, or if you have been listening and you haven't quite yet done your shark selfie, this is going to be a quick reminder. So during this week, all week of Shark Week, um, you are going to go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash shark week. If you forget that, just go to bizwomenrock.com and type in Shark Week and you'll find it. Um, And on that page are about a dozen different really beautiful like Shark Tank graphics that we've created specifically for this week. You're either going to print those out or you're going to hold it up next to you on your computer, take a selfie with it. Um, with as many as you want, I really don't care. Like you can get as creative. Last year in 2014, we had people like photoshopping stuff. It was really great. <laughs> get as creative as, as you want and you are going to go and put it on Facebook. Go put it on Twitter. You're going to hashtag the, he- the heck out of it. Um, <laughs> I almost slipped up there. And uh, you're going to hashtag Shark Week, Shark Tank, uh, Biz Women Rock. You're going to tag Katie Kremitzos. You're going to uh, I think I've said this before, you can tag Barbara Corcoran if you'd like, you could tag Lori Grenier, whatever comes up in your mind as far as Shark Tank and Shark Week goes. Um, but we, this is just so much fun. We have such a great time sharing shark selfies. Whew, that's a hard one to say. Sharing shark selfies all throughout the week. Um, and it's really such a fun way to connect with all these other phenomenal businesswomen literally all across the world. Like we really have people in so many continents <laughs> participating in this. So once you start hashtagging all of that stuff and tagging, you're going to be able to see all the other women who are uh, participating in this. So uh, go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash Shark Week. All right, so let's get into our interview for today. Got a special one. 
All right. When I said that you're going to feel fired up after you listen to this interview, I'm not kidding. I like really am not kidding. Uh, You will need to get up and jump around and move. So if you're driving, be prepared to like, you know, honk your horn, throw your hands up in the air, step on the gas pedal, not too fast. Um, If you're running, I promise you, you're going to be running a heck of a lot faster as you listen to this conversation because my guest is Ashley Drake and she created The Natural Grip. Quick description, these are um, like actual hand grips that you have on your hand so that you could do uh, CrossFit, you could be doing pull-ups with them so that your hands don't get totally ripped up, right? Um, And she was on Shark Tank, uh, I think her episode aired November 2014. Man, holy cow, she has never on this show, and I'm saying this very definitively, and we've had some amazing women on the show, but never on the show have I seen somebody so driven, so passionate, and so focused, um, and so determined and confident to make it all happen. She's just such a great package of it all. So I know you're going to be totally invigorated by this interview. Now, some of the cool points to listen for is that she, um, she really talks about how they traversed through, hey, I have this idea to creating some sort of a manufacturing process, um, which is really good if you're starting out and you kind of need to know what those next steps are. And she, of course, tells us the behind the scenes of what really happened during her Shark Tank experience and in the aftermath, which is really, which is truly my favorite part because you never really know what it looks like behind the scenes. Um, So she really goes into all of that and is very honest about it, has tons of wisdom that she's learned along the way that she's sharing, which is great. Now, she did let me know that um, she is going to be featured, she and uh, The Natural Grip are going to be featured in the new show Beyond the Tank. Now, during the time of this release, I don't know if it's already started. I think it probably is out there already. Um, But go look for her on Beyond the Tank because you'll get a video rendition of sort of the aftermath and what's happened after her Shark Tank experience, which is super cool. Last thing, don't forget, if you want to stay updated on the Shark Tank experience during Shark Week and featuring all these ladies, make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com and go opt in so that you're getting all these updates about all these amazing women who are sharing the true stories of what has really happened in the tank. Now let's get going with Ashley. Ashley, what's going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I am interested in you and your business for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I'm an athlete and I've done boot camps before in CrossFit. And uh, exactly what you have is a huge need um, that I myself has, have experienced. And number two, because you've had some really interesting kind of peaks and valleys in your business, um, including the Shark Tank experience. And I just really want to be able to hear about all of that and what your real true experience has been throughout all of that. So um, so let's start just a little bit with um, kind of why you even got interested, like what turned you on to actually create the natural grip? Right. So the natural grip is an innovative hand protection device that will protect your hands from ripping and tearing while working out. And the need arose really from me and my husband starting CrossFit and the functional fitness kind of lifestyle and I have small hands and I had tried many things out there to try to solve the problem of my hands ripping while I was trying to gain the strength to actually even do pull-ups and my husband basically got sick of me buying stuff and hearing me complain and he said hey you know I think I can make you something that can help and I was like okay that'd be great 
And so I went to bed on a Friday night and I woke up on Saturday morning and he had created these things. And I was, I didn't even know what they were, you know. And uh, he said, I think you should wear these and try them. And uh, of course I did. And I took some sets to the gym and some other people tried them and they were just fascinated. They were just like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. These are awesome. Where did you get these? I want to buy these. And I was like, no, no, my husband just made that. No, 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 you don't understand. Like, my husband just made that. It's okay. You can have it. But it just stuck in my head. Like, she said she'd buy those. And so I said, I was like, well, how much would you pay for that to the lady that I was working out with? And she's like, I don't know. I'd probably pay 20 to $25. These are amazing. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I went back to my job. I'm active duty army and I sit in a cubicle all day. And I was like, she told me she'd pay me for those. And then that's just kind of, I couldn't get the thought out of my head. And I went home and told my husband about it. And he's just like, no, that's crazy. No one's going to buy these. <laughs> and I was just persistent and said, yes, they will. <laughs> and oh my God. that's kind of where it all got started. So how did it go from this idea and this product that has intrigue around it and something you can't get your mind off of to okay, let's start actually producing these and maybe just manually selling them to people. Like, where did that where did that actually happen and what did that look like? Yeah, so that night I went home and talked to him about it and he was convinced that nobody would buy them. And I said, just let me start a Facebook page. You know, I see all these people on Facebook selling stuff. Just let me start a Facebook page. I won't take any of our money. I'll just start a Facebook page and I'll just build connections and I'll see what happens. So I started a Facebook page. I, I got some test products to some people that manage passion pages so that have like hundreds of thousands of followers of like women of CrossFit or people that like do what we do. So you would, and tell, I said, hey, you would give them samples? Yeah, I'd just send them a free sample and I'd say, hey, just test this out. It's a new product. Let me know what you think. And when one of them responded and said she loved it and she was going to share it with her page, I was like, okay, great, game on, like it's time to go. And I didn't have a website or anything. <laughs> I just set up, I set up a Google order form on the Facebook page and people would go on there and submit an order form and then I would individually invoice them um, through PayPal. Oh my and in the first hour that she had shared us, uh, we had 150 orders. Oh my so then, goodness. Are you yeah, serious? And who, orders, who orders off of an order form on <laughs> Facebook? Like nobody does that. And so I told my husband, I was like, we have 150 orders. And he was, he had already told me, I'm not making any till you sell them. And I'm like, I have 150 orders. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, babe. You got your weekend cut out for you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so that's, that's really how I got started. And we continued to sell on Facebook exclusively for a couple months until we um, gained the the finances to be able to pay a buddy at the gym $200 to make a very simple website. And then it all just kind of grew grassroots style out of that. So. so how did it go from kind of this prototype that your husband had made to to the actual like product, like the real like, okay, it looks like this, it can get manufactured this way. Did you have some challenges in doing that? And I know that you had at least at the time that I saw you on Shark Tank, you had a, a patent pending a, around sort of the design and the materials of it and all that stuff. So um, walk us through that. Like, what was that process like getting it from literally? I mean, you had a prototype, then you sold 150 of them. How did you go from there to now I have this actual product? Right. So my husband had created that and I said, create it again. I want to see you create it again. And so I kind of tested him to see if he could recreate uh consistently and we realized right off the bat that 
what ours what our products was going to have that the other hand protection was not is the fact that we could base it off of ring finger size and everything else on the market be it grip or glove is small medium large and are you a small or are you a medium you, you don't know and and I think I'm a small hand but then I'd get the grips from other companies and it, they would be huge on me so I'm really not a small but ring finger size never lies so it was our go-to thing that we were gonna produce a product based off of ring finger size so we just had to calculate that in and that's part of the patent pending of how we dialed that in and then that because of that we're able to consistently make all of it and we do have the elements that make the product um, and so my husband broke it down basically the three elements and we would make each one of those and then assemble it all together. And so they all kind of built on their on themselves that way. Wow. So so let's get to this point where at least you have a system running. You have a website, you have a way that you're getting the word out there and you have people coming and buying. What was your system then? Meaning um, you know, were you still using PayPal at that point? Did you have what did you have then that actually was working that kind of got you up to the Shark Tank point? Yeah, so we we started with PayPal and still till this day all of our transactions go through PayPal. I don't individually invoice them anymore. Of course, the back end of my website handles that, but we still run everything through PayPal. One because PayPal is a very secure uh, resource and also because it takes a lot of responsibility off of us you know I have no visibility of people's card numbers or transactions or anything like that but if I need to I can refund them in a heartbeat and plus you know PayPal is getting paid based off of the transaction fees so the more that I business that I do with them the lower that those fees become um, so we you know we started with PayPal and we still do use PayPal now in regards to the process of how the product was able to kind of grow I reached out and found people subcontractors so I would assign them one of those positions and they would we would train them they would take the material back to their house do it on their free time and then drop it back off to us at our house because we were still in our home and then as long as I could just keep that rotation of those subcontractors going and one would drop off then it would go to the next person then it would go to the next person then it was all kind of able to go and I really honestly thought that the company would stay like that forever I just thought okay there's more demand I'll just hire more subcontractors and at one point I was up to 25 subcontractors oh my goodness and it was working the only thing is is that if they would mess up in the process at all we wouldn't figure it out until the very in, until they dropped it off right. and so we weren't really we were kind of losing some material that way and obviously it was frustrating especially if the next person in line needed that element and it was messed up right um, so that that caused you know, a little bit of eye, eye opening, like, okay, can I really stay this way forever? But the point that really drove it home is when distributors started calling. It was one thing to do the individual orders online. You know, people will be patient uh, for about a week or so, uh, but when the distributors order and they send you a purchase order for 100, 200, 300, 500, 1,000, now, now they want their product. Right. And that was when it kind of took it to another level and we just had to make a decision we were either going to completely shut the business down because we couldn't keep up with demand or my husband was going to have to quit his job and open up the production facility and we were going to have to bring some of those subcontractors on full-time and that was a huge leap of faith and 
thankfully. Although, you know, my husband didn't want to do any of this at the beginning. As this continued to grow, he saw this opportunity. I mean, where in America today can you create a product that doesn't exist and then people want it? I mean, I was back then I was always relating it to like the toothpick. Like somebody had to invent the toothpick, you know, the toothpick <laughs> wasn't there one day. And that's that's kind of how I thought about it with the natural grip, you know? And it was just so amazing to me that we had created something that didn't exist out there and people were wanting it so bad that we couldn't keep up with demand. And to lose that opportunity just because we couldn't keep up to me just was foolish. But I'm active duty Army, so I could I can't walk away from that commitment right now. And I have a, a few more years on that commitment. So I needed his buy-in 100%. And the distributors coming on board kind of showed him that we had we had to make a decision, and that that was really the driving force behind it all. I gotta ask you, what did that what did that husband wife conversation look like? Because if it's not if it wasn't like immediately his passion and his project, that's a pretty like you have to be. That's a very vulnerable conversation of like like I mean, you really are the person who believes in this. Like you really are like the the fire behind all of this. So how what was that conversation like? How did you really make that uh, make that happen with him? Uh, I think that just with any husband and wife relationship, the husband knows it's in their best interest to support the wife. <laughs> um, happy wife, but, happy life. <laughs> yeah, happy wife, happy life. But I didn't want to force him. Yeah. I knew that if he wasn't going to be in it to win it like I was, then it was just like I was dragging him along for the ride. And, you know, then on, the entrepreneurial like journey is hard enough. You do not have time to be dragging somebody else along with you. So I had proposed it to him, and I really didn't push him on it. I said, just think about it. You know, my husband has three degrees. Uh, He's a certified athletic trainer. He's a physical therapy assistant. You know, we have a lot wrapped up in student loans so that he could have his own profession, and he loves his profession. Uh, But we also have a four-year-old, and that profession was keeping him away a lot from her. And so all of it just kind of lined up for us where, you know, it was a big risk, but his family was supportive and my family was supportive. He understood that it had a big reward, possibly payoff, and he knew that I wasn't going to really stop. You know, if he would have said no, I probably would have figured something out. It just would have been a little harder. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me about you at all. Um, so, uh, how did you get the idea to go into Shark Tank or were you contacted? No, I, I started 2014 with one goal in mind. I was going to get on Shark Tank and I, I told my husband that and I told my mom that and they both just kind of looked at me like I was crazy and I said, I'm getting on Shark Tank and in 2014, I'm getting on Shark Tank. And when I said it, it just kind of rolled off my tongue. Like that's just going to happen. And then I started the process and, um, I'm here to tell you it didn't just happen. It takes a lot of work, energy, time, and effort. It's a very emotional journey. Um, you know, they're in the season six of Shark Tank, and it it's not season one days. So it's very competitive, and it's, um, it's, it's a long process. But for me, I just went on, and I got the questions so that I could do an online submission video. And I already had a video guy that does really good videos for our company. And so I just sent that in uh, at the end, around the first part of February. I taped it in January, sent it in first part of February, and I got a, uh, my first call in the middle of March, like right around my birthday, actually. And that was the first of, I guess, 
five rounds of cuts. Wow. And so it's, it's a long process. So, and then I actually taped in June and then it didn't air until November. Okay. So, so let's talk about your time in the tank. So, um, what did you do to prepare? Cause you were, your pitch was right on. I mean, it's obvious it, you're listening to this interview. So it's obvious that you have a ton of passion. You have a ton of fire. You speak very confidently. You're not going to mince words. You're not going to like, you know, flounder. But what did you really have to do in order to prepare all the statistics that you needed, all of the the answers that you knew that you would have to um, answer to the questions? Well, of course, I watched a lot of episodes and I wrote down kind of the reoccurring questions and tried to relate that back to our company. I met with the bookkeeper and the CPA numerous times and, you know, just kind of tried to twist the numbers as as many ways as I could. Not that I wanted to, you know, make up anything, but I wanted to understand it enough where if they asked it in a certain way, I could just give an answer. You know, I am a speech communications major in my undergrad and I'm an officer in the army. So speaking is not really something that is a difficulty for me. But I was a little worried about, I wasn't worried what I was going to say. I was worried about what they were going to say back to me and me not be able to have that quick response. So I practiced that a lot. But as soon as I made it through the second round of cuts, I took all the furniture out of the spare bedroom in our house and I put their pictures up on the wall (laughs) in the exact in the, in the exact order that they sit and every night no matter how late it was or how tired I was I would go in there and I would pitch to them I would just or I would be like today really sucked and today was really hard so I was sometimes I would just have heart to heart to their pitchers and other times I would actually be practicing but I was like accustomed to looking at them yeah. but the only thing about that was is they never talked back <laughs> so I guess that kind of took some of the fear away from for me personally, uh, just working through that. And it's a long process. So I, uh, the closer I got, the more I ramped up the, the practice and rehearsal of all of that. I'm just having this wonderful image of you like leaning on the wall, you know, next to Lori Grenier. And you're like, Lori, girl, do you ever have bad days too? <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was probably more emotional than that. Like, <laughs> you know, just just spent emotionally but yeah let's talk about that for a second because I know you made the kind of the side comment um on the show that you know you only you were like only sleeping four hours a night I mean you you were in the grind I mean you are in the grind you're still building this business how um what what strategies whether they're conscious or not do you have to kind of make it okay and to find ways to keep pushing through when it when it's really hard and when there's very little sleep and when it sucks and when things are not going the way that you want them to go. You know, I'm not going to lie. Some days are easier than others to stay focused mentally as far as to just keep pushing. Um, for me personally, what motivates me is as long as I have a plan a, a plan that I believe can turn something around or a plan that I believe can can make the difference to whatever it needs to be in manufacturing or sales or staffing or, you know, there's many different areas in a company. You're kind of a one-man band, so you have to have all those answers. And so regardless of where that problem lies, it's just failure is not an option, Right. And I'm the sole person that has those answers. Yes, me and my husband are in this together, but I am the CEO of this company. So the answer, the the answer, 
it doesn't have to start with me, but it definitely stops with me, and I ha I have to. It just has to happen. So in my in my mind, there's no other option. And there's if there was another option, if, if there's an option to sleep instead of work on something that's going to progress the company, then I can't be upset a week from now if sales are down because then I've made I made a decision to to step back and you know kind of put my foot off the gas pedal for a minute and it, you might not see it immediately but you you will see it eventually and I think in bigger corporations that's not as evident and I and in franchises and stuff like that but when you are small it, you are you are riding that wave of success or you're crashing to the bottom based off of the blood sweat and tears that you're putting in because there's not other resources aren't doing it for you. You're either doing it or it's not getting done. So th that's really the only option. And, you know, I guess my military training helps me with that mindset. You know, mission first, people always. But mission first. And so that mindset of, like, this has to happen. Obviously, I'm less productive if I haven't had as much sleep. Obviously, I'm not as sharp. Obviously, it takes me a little bit longer. But the mission of that it has to happen, it's just... It's just in me, yeah. and it just it has to happen for the company. Um, and the bigger we grow, it's not just me anymore with this idea in my kitchen. You know, it's fifteen employees. It's my husband that left his job. It's our daughter. You know, I mean, it's it's so much more than that. So with more money, more problems, right? More, the more you grow, the more respons the responsibility grows as well. Yeah. So I I don't I don't take rest lightly it's needed and i i'm not here to say hey hey business women never take time off that's not the point but i'm just telling you that sometimes you have that luxury and sometimes you don't and you just have to be aware of that yeah so, so were there any surprises that you came across while you were in the tank as everyone was no longer faces on your wall but actually talking back to you uh you were very composed but was there anything that kind of just knocked you a little bit or, or surprised you any question that you were like uh hang on and just had like a you know just kind of shook you a little bit yeah um there was a few things that surprised me a little bit I mean, I was in the tank for an hour and 37 minutes, and you only see like eight minutes of that. So there was a lot that was edited out. Uh, Damon's overall demeanor towards me kind of took me back a little bit because uh, 100% I wanted Damon. I, wa if I walked down that hallway thinking my sole goal in life right now is to get a deal with Damon John. And when his, when his attitude was kind of a little arrogant and kind of um, boastful about knowing a lot about the community and the functional fitness space that is our primary market. I just kind of was kind of like, okay, that's not what I expected. Um, so that was interesting. And Mark asked me a question in regards to, well, what's the next step? And you see a little bit about that, but I'm so glad they edited out my, my answer to that because it was really cruddy. And I knew right <laughs> when I said it that it was cruddy, but I hadn't really thought about what was the next step. You know, mm -hmm. I have this product that is in such high demand that I can't keep up with demand. I, I needed to solve that problem. I hadn't really worried about once I solve that problem, then what are we going to sell? Um, now I worry about that today because I have a better infrastructure in place and I worry about crafting the brand to be bigger than just this one product but at that moment in time I wasn't so 
I came up with something ridiculous. And I knew right when I said it to him, it was ridiculous. And when he went out, it wasn't surprising to me because that was a ridiculous answer. Uh, but it kind of now looking back on that, and that's so hard. Like I get a lot of people reaching out to me about mentorship and stuff. And I, and it's so hard to tell somebody like you need to be worried about this bigger picture because they're not even there growth wise yet. They're not even there mentally yet. Uh, but people that have been there, done that, the experience level as small as mine is in this entrepreneurial space, I can already say, okay, but once we solve this problem, I know it's not solved right now, but once we solve it, then what? Uh, and people look just probably like I did, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> you yeah. know, I hadn't thought about it yet. Yeah. But it matters long term. Well, I'm so glad that you talked about, about all that because, like, uh, specifically with Damon, I was wondering – it, it surprised me that you chose Robert to do the deal with Robert. And just for the record, you ended up doing um, – Robert had offered, I think it was 125000 for 25%. Um, and Damon – you know, they were sort of like negotiating over you. And I wondered because Damon definitely has hookups within your industry, definitely has manufacturing experience. And Robert really doesn't have either of those. But he, I, I definitely got that he spoke very genuinely to you. And he, he, you guys definitely had a connection as far as like kind of what your vision was and what your pain points really were. So, um, so now I, I know exactly why you did that. What, um, what, was, what happened in the immediate aftermath? You know, like what um, there's always stories that we didn't never get to hear, which is like, OK, did you renegotiate stuff? What really happened? Sometimes the deals don't pan out. What actually happened in the immediate aftermath with Robert? Yeah, for us, uh, we were very. It's a very successful story. We went into due due diligence the very next day, and like I said, we taped in June, and that due diligence lasted all the way up until the week we actually aired on Shark Tank, and then we finally we closed the deal. And I think that that's probably strategic on the Sharks' end, you know, um, not just Robert's team, but I think that, like I said, they're in season six now, and there's no guarantee that your episode's going to air. And so why would a shark want to close a deal and make all those commitments and all that investment if it's not going to be on national TV? Uh, so I understood that, and I, it was frustrating, right, because I'm ready to go, go, go. But <laughs> I, I understood that, and so we actually closed the deal for exactly what you saw on TV, the 125000 for the 25%. And uh, I hear that's very rare, uh, but that did happen for us, and I'm, thank I'm, you know, I'm thankful for that. So. While you were on the show, you they had asked you about you know your valuation of the company and what you predict in sales in the future, and you stated straight up on there, we'll be you know four four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand by the end of this year, or um, I think you said by the end of the year, and huh. you've done exactly that. So what what has happened? I want to ask not what the public effect yet. That's going to be the next question, but what has been the impact of? The investment and Robert being part of you know your team now, like what what has what has that really impacted? Uh, with Robert and his team, um, the relationship is a little different than what I thought. Uh, obviously, like I said, I had been a fan of the show, and I probably sit there like thousands of Americans and think that there's this you know mentorship and all of these things going on. Every uh, shark does handle their situations differently. For us, um, I work a lot with Robert's team of people. Uh, they gather the data, they answer kind of the immediate questions, they kind of track like our month-to-month -month information, um, but there's not a mentorship relationship. So I do, ha I, I do reach out to Robert, we've emailed a couple times, but as far as 
being involved in the kind of mentorship or development of me as a company owner or the future for the company that that is not how our relationship is set up so that that was a you know that was that's okay I'm okay with that now at first I was like wow this isn't what I expected but you know you have to deal with the cards that you're dealt and um you know they're definitely helping support the company by just having experience so when I think something is the cats me wow and this great idea and I propose it to them of this is what I want to spend the next infusion on or something and then they come back to me with these you know hundred questions I'm not gonna lie it's a little irritating but it forces me to have to answer those questions and if I didn't have that system, then no one's going to question me, right? Because I'm the CEO, and this is what I want to do. And I think that this is the cat's me wow and the great idea, so it just needs to happen. So having someone ask you those questions and make you articulate why something's important, it's definitely refined me as a business owner, and it's made me have to uh, – contemplate how I'm going to articulate why something's important for the company and so in in the long run it, it's it's better for the company right all that matters is the success of the company not my ego not my irritation level not my you know my frustration with any of that what matters is the success of the company and so the company it, it's its own entity now and so we all are working to serve the success of it and that's very for me similar to you know in my army I, I work for the mission, right? We work to serve the United States of America, whatever the mission at hand is that needs to happen. So this whole idea of like now that I work for the company and we're trying to make it successful, I'm okay with that. You know, that's okay. That That's what needs to happen. Right. Um, but it is a little different than I thought it was going to be with, with his team and with him. Where did the investment go to right away? I mean, I, I know that you, I mean, you were honest about saying, I have a manufacturing issue. I need to clean all this stuff up. Where did the, where did that capital go? And what does your manufacturing situation look like now? So when I walked into the tank, the natural grip was 100% handmade uh, on the subcontractor model that I talked about earlier. The natural grip today is still 100% handmade. It's just handmade in this production shop where people come check, where they come log in, you know, clock, clock in and they make the product. Still paid by the piece, but we sit here. They they sit here and make their piece. Um, so that didn't change that much. And they um, the resources that I thought would become available to us by that relationship uh, were not available. Uh, but we're able to you know increase uh, employees and staff based off of overall demand. But takes a lot to train people. So that that kind of integrated a whole nother you know, avenue, a whole nother road I had to learn to, what is, what is too much inventory? How much inventory am I okay with committing to having on the books? Inventory sitting here is basically like looking at dollar bills. What, how much am I okay with looking at? How much can the company handle? <laughs> how long should it take for that to, to sell? So that's kind of, um, that's kind of taught me about a whole nother, a whole nother aspect of the business. Before I didn't have enough, so I never had to worry about it. Right. Now I have to worry about what's too much and what. how do I staff these people? How do I make sure that they're trained and that they stay proficient in their skills? And so it's a little different. So um, the Roberts team, was their answer was, you know, hire more people, train them. That's been successful. And so go forth with that and manage it accordingly. I'm just here to tell you, manage it accordingly is a very, that <laughs> small word, 
is uh, a lot, much, much more than the small words. And mm. yeah, and then so we bought. Uh, we also have purchased some things like a uh, a pull up rig when we go to be at an event and we go to sell our product, we put up a whole pull-up rig. And that's kind of like our footprint instead of a pop-up tent. And that is essential because instead of just standing behind a table and us telling you why our hand protection is the best, we say, hey, you want to try the natural grip out? Come try it out for free. We put one on one hand, nothing on the other hand, and we say, go go give it a try on our pull-up rig. And then they are immediately are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This one hand feels great and this other hand already hurts. Yeah, exactly. Here, go ahead and buy a pair today. Wow. And so, you know, that really was was key. That was one big thing. And then um, this other things like revamping our website. Um, you know, I... We're, we're going to be a vendor at the actual uh, the CrossFit Games in July this year uh, out in California, and those spots are not cheap, and so the funds have helped to, sec- to secure our spot there. And uh, that, that's, we are the premier hand protection in the functional fitness market, and we need to be there. So, um, of course, if we didn't have the resources through Robert that's a very big decision to make you know basically 20 grand when it's all said and done to go be a vendor somewhere and take all your product and your people out there to sell you know that's something that any company any company owner should be thinking about or double thinking about if that's the commitment they want to make so having the support from Robert and his team to allow that to happen is also definitely something that we're thankful for so what was the immediate impact once the show aired what what happened to your website? What happened to sales? What happened to you guys? Um, what what happened? Like what what really happened transpired after the show really went went wild? Yeah, the Shark Tank effect is real. You hear you hear about it and you read about it, and I'm here to tell you it is real. Uh, the month before Shark Tank, we had done ten thousand in sales. Uh, we obviously were kind of trying to stay under the radar. We were trying to build inventory because we knew we were going to air in November. And in November, we uh, grossed 132000 in sales. Holy cow. Yeah, our website did stay up. It did not crash at all. And uh, we had lots of systems in place to allow for that to happen. So that all worked. And we also we paid a large amount of money to make sure that that happened. Yeah. So obviously, a lot of people are interested in you, right? You go from you know, the wizard behind the curtain working as hard as possible to now, and nobody really paying attention to you, to to now you're the cool kid all of a sudden. So you get a lot of phone calls, a lot of people want to talk to you, a lot of people want to offer you things, and you just, you've got to be cautious, right? Because you don't know who these people are, you don't know what their real motives are, or anything like that. And so it was just kind of trying to weed through all of that. The one thing that I completely underestimated was the fulfillment of the individual orders. You know, here in this production shop, we produce the product, we package the product, we fulfill the orders, we ship all from here. And we had been managing that for a while. You know, we had started on individual sales. We had to close individual sales down to just focus on distributors because the demand was so high. But when the I went out to tape on Shark Tank, then, okay, we needed to get back in the habit of, doing individual sales and trying to manage both of those simultaneously. So we had opened that back up. So we had been doing consumer to, you know, straight to consumer for, you know, at least four months again. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Well, there's a difference from processing, you know, 25 to 50 orders a day to 300 to 500 orders Mm -hmm. a day. 
Yeah, we and are. if I'm doing that, if I'm running, if I'm fulfilling, then I'm not answering emails and I'm not progressing the company. If my husband's fulfilling orders, then he's not focused on production and making sure that the product stays at the high quality level and doing the checks that need to be done. And so we realized really quickly that we were we had to bring in somebody to to focus on the shipping and fulfillment uh, into that position and set them up to be successful. So as difficult as that is, and I'm sure every entrepreneur struggles with that, you you feel like no one can do it as good as I can. And you know what? You're probably right. Nobody's going to do it as good as you can. But the fact of the matter is, is you can't do everything. You don't have enough capacity. So you have to start training people. You have to start selecting people and putting them in the position so that it allows you to have capacity, one, to just breathe, and two, to be able to focus on the next step and worry about the questions like what Mark Cuban's asking me about what the next step is. I can't worry about that if I'm filling orders and doing all the social media posts and answering all the emails and doing the customer service. You know, I just, I just can't. Yeah. So uh, that was, that was one thing that we realized real quickly that we had to start to allow some things to, to go to other people. Yeah. Actually, what would you do differently throughout the whole experience? I mean, through the Shark Tank experience specifically, like what, what would you do differently? I have a saying, I talk about that, you know, everybody has reality and then they have their expectations. And anytime your expectation is far above that reality line, then what happens is a band of disappointment. And so I worked extremely hard to get on Shark Tank and it was my sole goal in life and I got there and it was just amazing and I just had such an, a high expectation of what that relationship was going to be like with the shark when I got him because I knew I was going to get him. That was my only option in my mind of what was going to happen. I had such a high expectation of what was going to happen for the company. I just had such a high expectation. And reality, when it all played out, was so good. You know, it was so good, but it really was still below what my expectation was. And so I lived in this band of disappointment for probably like three months thinking that it wasn't good enough it just we're failing it's not good enough and uh, we're just we got to push more we got to do more and that's just a very dis it's just a very sad place to be as a company owner when you have all these great things going on around you but you can't slow down enough to just enjoy them or say this is awesome I went from my trying to sell sell this to my husband in the kitchen one night to now we've been on national TV and we're worried about how you know we're going to fill you know these orders and and so you know I lived in that band of disappointment cuz my expectations were just so high and I just I really you know hindsight 2020 I and I would encourage anybody that's listening and anybody that I talk to that just you know you have high expectations and and have like a want and a drive to do your absolute best, but don't put it so high up there that then you don't even enjoy the success that you gain because it's, it's just counterproductive. You're working so hard for that success. Like enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is. Mm, I love it. Well, Ashley, I really want to thank you so much for being on the show, for sharing your journey and uh, big congratulations to you for all of the cool stuff that's been happening. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Man, I 
I seriously was like jumping out of my seat during this conversation because she was so energetic and so in tune with who she is, what the goals are, how to get there. Uh, she's a military woman through and through. Ashley, I love that. So um, I really, really got so much out of this. But one thing that that definitely stuck out was towards the very end, how she was talking about the difference between your expectations and reality. And uh, I could totally identify with that. I don't know if you can, but I tend to have very high expectations. And um, and I, I really appreciated the, uh, the feedback that she gave about that and the um, advice that she gave about how to sort of like level that stuff out and how to really enjoy what you're going through instead of just being so disappointed. So really love that. Make sure you are keeping up with all the cool shark selfies that are happening all over the globe this week. Um, and keeping in tune with all the different um, interviews that are happening all week long, not only the prior ones, but the ones coming up in the next couple of days. And you can do that by opting in at bizwomenrock.com, but also specifically going to bizwomenrock.com forward slash shark week, and you will get everything you need there about this week's schedule. Uh, little samples of all the shark selfies that have been going on as well as all the different graphics there so that you can take your own shark selfie and I can see it. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Adios. Adios.